episode 175 of the Cricket Hair Weekly. Lots to talk about this week, Sid, so let's get crackalacking. First up, Bangladesh v India. Now, I just want to start off this whole conversation by saying congratulations to Bangladesh, um, because not only did they win their first ODI against India, they also tied the third ODI, which meant that um, because India had won the second game, the series overall was drawn. Um, so I think Bangladesh deserve congratulations for that. We've got a little bit of a history of beating India in some, some big times, haven't they? But, you know, yeah, I mean, it's definitely an unexpected result and um, perhaps a result that we'll come back to later in the podcast. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were going to start by talking about this, Sid, because it's blown up a bit this week. Um, it, blown up big time. <laughs> now, um, Let's let's just summarise what happened um, on that that final tied game, and I've got to say I still don't really understand why there wasn't a super over, um, given that the ICC regs now stipulate that all all tied ODIs will end in a super over. But anyway, that's that's slightly by the by for what we were talking about. So it ended in a tie. Now um, three things happened um, in the course of that game. The first was the Harmpreet Kaur when she got out was very cross to be given out and smashed her stumps with the bat before she walked off. Um, in, in, yeah. Uh, the second thing that happened was when she was interviewed after the match, um, so doing the post-match media, um, she complained about the umpiring um, quite, uh, quite vociferously. And then the final thing that happened um, was that um, the teams were lining up for the trophy presentation, which happened side by side because it had been drawn. So they were sharing the trophy. Um, and um, Harmanpreet Kaur said to the Bangladesh captain, oh, why don't you get the umpires over? Because they're, they're a member of your team. Um, thus kind of suggesting that, um, obviously kind of underlining the point that she believes that the umpiring was very biased. Now, we cannot comment on the umpiring, we should say, because we weren't watching the games. Um, I don't even know whether we would have been able to watch them. Um, but anyway, we were unfortunately very busy with the Ashes. Um, so I can make no comment on the umpiring. Um, but the reason that this has blown up is because um, as a result of those three happenings, um, Humphrey Corp has been given several demerit points by the ICC um, and has been handed a two-match ban. Now, I believe this is the first time that a woman cricketer has ever been handed a ban um, as a result of um, a, a certain number of demerit points. Um, so she's actually been given, yeah, she's not going to play the first two matches of the Asia Cup. Um, so... <laughs> It's all blown up a bit, hasn't it, Sid? Yeah, it has. And first of all, you know, the, the, you know, we, we've got no axe to grind against Harman Pre. No. You know, I literally tweeted last night when people were tweeting about um, Stuart Broad ret retirement, and they tweeted about his famous eight four. Um, and I tweeted, um, you know, just kind of jokingly in reply to some somebody that said that the eight four was the, the best performance he'd ever seen. Going, tell me you ha you didn't see the Harman monster without telling me you didn't see the Harman monster. You know, so, you know, if I'm, I'm talking tweeting, about the 2017 World Cup semi-final where she just destroyed, yeah. you know, the, the, the best team there's ever been. Um, greatest individual performance of all time. So fantastic player. And we're not growing an axe against her, but it was pretty, pretty rubbish. Mm. And that's like using mild, you know, child friendly versions of, of, you know, the language that I might use under other yeah. circumstances, to be honest. Particularly the thing that the setting out to deliberately humiliate the players from the other team. 
um, was just feels like it was not acceptable. Yeah, I mean, um, I think my perspective on it is that the the smashing the bat thing um, is is totally un, kind of understandable because we all see red sometimes. I certainly do. Do you right? <laughs> thanks, thanks, Sid. Uh, yes, I do occasionally. Um, so that was very much heat of the moment. Um, but the um, the the post match stuff that would have taken kind of a forethought and actually, you know, she would have gone off and had time to cool off and think about what her response was going to be. And so that's much more calculating. And particularly the bit when the trophy is being presented um, to then deliberately try to embarrass and humiliate the Bangladesh players in that way, that was calculated and she knew the impact that that would have. Yeah, so that was, that was definitely not, not acceptable. Yeah. And that's really not the kind of thing that we want to see. I mean, apart from the fact it was stupid because she's going to have to potentially play with these players at some point. You know, she's going to wind up potentially being on WPL teams with them and other franchise tournament yeah, teams with them. So that's why, that's why it's just, it was, a, it was a silly thing to do even from her perspective. Anyway, but, um, you know, so she's been handed her ban. Um, interestingly, Jim Maxwell on the BBC's Stumped um, podcast, which is hosted by Ali Mitchell, um, he, he said she should have been banned for a year. A year, he said, because he said precedent's been set by what happened to the Australians involved in the ball tampering thing, that because their their ban, um, he said, was primarily based, the year-long ban was primarily based on having lied in the press conference. So the ban, he was saying, wasn't for the ball tampering, it was for lying in the press conference. Harman Preet misbehaved in the press conference or in the, in the media interviews afterwards, therefore she should be banned for a year. Banned for a year, Raph, what do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, that's just... That's just mad, isn't it? I mean, we've we've just explained why we absolutely think that her behaviour was unacceptable, um, and also, um, you know, that I, I, I certainly believe that absolutely nobody is beyond the law, um, even the the captain of India. That's absolutely correct um, for her to receive a punishment. But the idea that her behaviour is on a par with Sandpaper Gate is just ridiculous. I, I can't, I just, I just can't understand that perspective. Um, it's, a, it's a very odd thing to have said. Um, now, clearly, um, the Australians involved in that um, scandal did, uh, did kind of further um, sort of, you know, write their own death warrant, as it were, by lying in the press conference. But that's not the reason they were banned. That was cheating. That was out and out cheating. Um, and I know that, you know, we're all supposed to have forgotten about it, and that's fine, yeah, and it was absolutely right for them to have been banned. I mean, a lot of people at the time said that they were lucky not to have been banned for longer or even for good. Um, you know, anyway, that's not what we're talking about here. What Harman Precor did was not cheating, okay? It was um, expressing... It was, very mean, it was expressing dismay at what she felt was biased umpiring. Now, there are official channels which she should have gone through, so she should not have behaved as she did, but it wasn't cheating, and she certainly wasn't trying to lie in the post-match press. If anything, she was too honest, because she said, um, I don't agree with the, the umpiring standards. Um, I, you know, that's, that's being too honest, so it's the opposite of trying to cheat and cover things up. Um, so uh, it was just a, a very odd, um, a very odd thing for for Jim Maxwell to have said. And um, there's certainly in I'm not accusing Jim Maxwell of this, but as a historian, I do you know I am aware of there be, having been this undercurrent of some media coverage of women's cricket, whereby female players have historically been held to higher moral standards than male players. 
Um, you know, you don't have to look much further than um, than Charlotte Edwards talking about going out and getting smashed off the women's ashes and there being a whole load of negative uh, press conference, uh, a press coverage around that in 2014, to know that women cricketers have historically been held to these kind of higher moral standards by the media than than male cricketers, um, and this is, I'm afraid, just just slightly smack of that, okay? Because I, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so it was a it's a bizarre thing uh, for him to have said, um, and I, I think it's been dealt with effectively and properly by the ICC. Um, and I, I guess as far as we're concerned, that's that's kind of the end of the matter yeah. um, and hopefully won't happen again. Let's move on. OK, let's move on to our next topic, Sid. Another another big one, another quite different one. But also um, there's a there's a big um, India component to this next topic, which is about cricket in the Olympics. Um, so there was an exclusive an exclusive story this week in The Guardian by Ali Martin and Sean Ingle. Thank you. All good news items. <laughs> and online. <laughs> Um, so if you haven't seen this piece, then um, go away and have a read because it's yeah, it's Ali Martin and Sean England in The Guardian saying that um, cricket is now very, very likely to be included um, in the next Olympics in, in L.A. Um, so that is uh, very exciting. Um, now, there's a bit more information, although there's still a lot of information that we don't know. But one of the things um, that the piece says is that... Um, is that it's going to be a five-team T20 competition, so men's and women's. But hang on, Raph, I thought that one of the points of getting cricket into the Olympics was to like widen the appeal of cricket and to have countries, you know, like Brazil and Argentina and all yeah. that lot involved, yeah. so that so that their Olympic associations would therefore be forced to contribute to cricket and yeah. So cricket not. shoots itself in the foot again because it looks like um, the way that the ICC have kind of squared their inclusion um, is to say, well, it will be quite a short tournament, and so we're only going to have five teams. So um, five teams is hard, hard and five in the women, is it? I mean, I know. you know, yeah. are we talking? If you think about, about just... traditionally in the Olympics, you get gold, silver, and bronze medals. So that's three three of the five teams in the men's and three of the five teams in the women's are going to get a medal. Well, there's a poten potentially a, a suggestion in the, in, the, in the piece, and we don't know for certain, we haven't spoken to anyone about it, there's a potential suggestion in the piece that in fact only, only a gold medal might be awarded. Um, okay. I don't know whether there's any precedent for this or anything, but... Anyway, so but yeah. five teams really, isn't, really doesn't give you much of a tournament at all. And I think that, you know, in all seriousness... Um, you know, it does actually raise some interesting issues. One of the big drivers for this, we're being told from the article, is because they think they can literally, literally hundreds of millions of dollars more in terms of income from Indian broadcasters if India are in this cricket competition. Yeah. So they're going to have five teams and it's going to be the top five teams in the world. But guys, what happens if India aren't one of those top five teams? If you're only having five teams and you're going to base it, say, on the T20 rankings, you know, yeah. then it's definitely possible that India could slip out of that, well, absolutely. that, that top five. Yeah. Um, you know, where do we stand at the moment, Raf? Yeah, well, it, I, had a, I had a quick look at the um, ICC rankings because that's how the, the, the five will be drawn, um, according to this article, um, yesterday. Now, India are in both the, the men's and the women's top five, but Australian men are not currently in the top five I T20 rankings. Men so as it stands, the Australian women team would obviously be competing, the Australian men would not. But it now, shows how easy it is yeah. to fall outside that. Yeah, um, and the other point, of course, on that is that, um, will they, is it, is it okay to have five 
women's teams over here who are competing and five men's teams over here who are competing and then them, them not to be the same teams. Um, you know, one of the one of the kind of key things that the um, IOC has has driven is this sort of vision of gender equality. So you have the same women's and men's teams and women's and women's and men's competitors like competing. So I don't really quite. It it, it just feels a bit, it feels a bit weird. Yeah, um, and obviously, I mean. It would be totally outrageous and unfair if they said, oh, no, it's just going to be the top five according to the men's rankings. But it also feels very weird and incongruous if you have five separate teams competing in the men's and the women's event somehow. Yeah. It and feels also, a bit strange. If, you know, how, how are they going to manage this? I mean, because clearly if their entire use case is we're going to get hundreds of millions more dollars from the Indian TV yeah. market and then India don't qualify, yeah. how are they going to fudge that? Because they're going to be under enormous pressure from the TV companies to fudge it. And I can easily imagine a situation where they wind up going, oh, well, India have qualified for, yeah. they're in the top five in the women's, therefore they have to be in the men's competition. So we'll have yes. a sixth team in the men's competition. You <laughs> just happen to be India. They'll wangle it. Are how... you, you just, are, I'm afraid that we are slightly mistrustful of the ICC's motives and we um, suspect that there will end up being some kind of wangling whereby the big three i.e. India, Australia and England somehow manage to compete pass, in because... both the women's and the men's. I don't know how that will happen, but um, yeah, so it feels like they've they've sold it to the IOC by saying, don't worry about um, there being a really long, really complex cricket competition. We'll just um, you know fit into the very back end of the Olympics. It'll be very short and sweet. Um, but actually, by doing that, they have kind of um, you know shot themselves in the foot yet again a... by um, actually not doing the very thing that inclusion in the Olympics was meant to do on the tin, which is expand yeah, the audience of that. cricket and expand the number of teams able to compete in in top competitions who aren't in World Cups. Absolutely. So it's all a bit crap. Um, the other the other slightly odd thing is that the article just says, oh, and England will compete as Team GB. Like we just take that for granted. Um, yeah, but, I mean, but what, what decides why? that? Why, yeah. why shouldn't Scotland? Can, why shouldn't yeah. Scotland compete for that? Yeah, why should why should or the why Bryce, should Scottish players why should not the have Bryce the chance sisters to do that? not be able to be in the Team GB team? Why yeah. should it just be English players? Um, that's it, you know it's a weird one. Uh, so that, yeah, lots of lots of unanswered questions in this article, um, and perhaps we don't. The, you know, the authors do not know the answers yet. I don't. I'm know. not sure that anybody knows the answer, and this yeah. is the problem. They've yeah. started making decisions without thinking it properly through. Just going, oh yeah, of course, of course, England will represent Team GB, and it's like, well, on what on what, on what level basis? of sporting? Yeah, you know, it's not fair. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll have to keep monitoring that yeah. and see well, what happens. Okay, now, Sid. Guess what's starting this week? The 100. The 100. Oh, good guess. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's starting on Tuesday at Trent Bridge. Um, we won't be there live and in person, but we will be at Lord's on Wednesday. So that's all very exciting. Um, now, there have been some rumours about the 100, though, haven't there, Sid? Yeah, no, this, is, this has come with a whole, a whole heap of rumours again that have come back to the, you know, frothing up to the top of the pan, bubbling up like <laughs> peas in a pot, Sorry. That, that this is going to be the last men's 100 and that the men's competition is going to be abolished after this year. And you know, what do you make of those rumours, Raph? I mean, 
Yeah, I mean we have dealt with um, we have dealt with these rumours before on this on this very show, haven't we? And um, we have we have talked about this, and we've talked about how crap it would be um, if there was any attempt to abolish the men's um, but keep the women's, and and how the kind of integrity of the competition is based on there being men's and women's teams and men's and women's elements to it, um, and so you know <laughs> my my view is that these kind of rumours about the um about the end of the hundred are are kind of being um sort of egged on and um put about by people who are sort of hearing what they want to hear from the ecb top dogs so the two richards um who are sort of sitting at the top of the ecb right now have perhaps given have perhaps expressed um to certain journalists that they don't love the hundred as much as um you know perhaps the the former um, leadership of the ECB did um, and people have then read into that that they're thinking about getting rid of it um, but I just don't I just don't buy it I think that um, partly it's people hearing what they want to hear and I also think there's an element of um, some journalists we know really don't like the hundred um, and are actually therefore putting about these rumours um, and really making more out Almost of them than they really are. They'll start a bandwagon exactly, rolling down the hill. That it will become a self-fulfilling prophecy because if you talk about the 100 being abolished enough, then maybe it'll happen. Um, so I'm afraid that I'm very, I remain very sceptical about any suggestion that the 100 is, that this is going to be the last men's 100 or that the, that the ECB are planning to abolish the 100. And um, certainly... There's, there's not really been any indication of that given to me um, in, in my... Um, and what we're hearing from in people inside the ECB is that they remain very much on track with the 100 yeah. and they remain very committed to it. Yeah, so. because it's a really essential element um, in terms of their strategy of trying to widen the audience of the game in, in England. And hopefully we'll, we will see those, um, those diverse and those family audiences over the next, the next few weeks. Um, I mean, we love the 100. Yeah, um, lots of fun. Yeah. Okay, um, shall we actually talk about the cricket though, Sid? Um, because there's been some uh, some shuffling around, some last minute shuffling around of players, um, partly because of Australia the island, which we haven't really talked about, um, but has had a reasonable amount of, of press coverage. Um, so Alyssa Healy and Elise Perry are both um, heading back to Australia on a plane, or probably have already headed back by the time we're recording this, um, because of injuries that they sustained in that island series. So Healy has, I believe, fractured yet another finger. Does she have any fingers left? If she was keeping wicket in the 100, it would be all thumbs, Sid. Very good. Thank you. I can make terrible jokes as well, you see. I learned it from you. Anyway, um, Elise Perry has unfortunately sustained a knee injury um, and I think they're saying it's not very serious but she just needs to rest for the next few weeks basically. Um, so that's that's unfortunate. Um, so they're both heading home. Interestingly, in relation to that, um, there was a bit of an end of an era statistic doing the rounds um, after those um, those matches in Ireland. Um, I think it was Hypercourse who said that... Um, the last time uh, Lanning, Healy and Perry, or the last time one of them did not play in an Australian match was as far back as 2009. So we talked about this a little bit in relation to the Ashes in terms of it being this kind of end of a generation moment, perhaps. Um, somebody actually tweeted us um, about this um, with a question saying, do you think Lanning, Perry and Healy are done? 
with international cricket? I think there's a good chance they never play in the same team again. Um, I think that I, you know, we we continue to hope that Meg Lanning will come back and you know play some part in the, in Australia's cricketing future. Yeah. And you know, Elise Perry shows no signs of wanting to, wanting to give up. No, I think that she she could opposite. definitely carry on for for a long time. And while she remains good enough to play for Australia, she'll carry on playing for Australia. Um, she's certainly someone that just seems very keen on actually playing and participating, and doesn't does not seem keen on retiring no. and going off into a you know she's whatever still. else she might have in her life. She she's just wants the, to play. Yeah, she's the kind of consummate professional. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and you know, Alyssa Healy, you know, she has for a long time talked about wanting to to have children. So at some point, you know, she is going to retire because she's going to want to do that. Um, but again, I think that we probably haven't seen the last of her. But I think there is a good chance that. We won't see the three play in the same team again as, as they start to move towards their retirements. My feeling is with um, with Perry and Healy is that neither of them will want this um, this tour of England to kind of be their um, their denouement. Yeah, I think that, and there's a very good chance actually for all of us talking about this being the end of an era for the invincible Australians that Australia will win next year's T20 World Cup in Bangladesh. They've got to be up there with the favourites still. Um, and so I think that if you are going to retire, then you probably it will be nice to do it on the back of a very successful World Cup campaign rather than a not particularly successful Women's Ashes campaign, is yeah. my feeling. Anyway, anyway we've kind of gone off topic from the 100. Yeah, both out of the 100. Um, Sid, I mean, you're you're actually reasonably happy about the Healy, the Healy thing, aren't you? No, well, no, no, so. I mean, <laughs> no disrespect to Alyssa yeah, Healy, exactly, Sid, but, but you've, no, got, as, you've got reasons, haven't you? As the president and founder member of the Best Heath fan club... <laughs> You seem to be the founder of many, many fan clubs. I am. <laughs> <laughs> Membership available now to anyone who wants to check or postal order for £10 to Beth's Heath fan club. Postal order? <laughs> postal Do they order. even still exist? I don't know, Raph. <laughs> well, we'll anyway, see. We might receive some. But something, it does mean that, that Beth's Heath will almost certainly be keeping with yeah. for the superchargers. Yeah. Um, you know, which is good news for her. I've repeatedly said that she just needs to play as a wicketkeeper. You know that's that's her future, and you know she's at the moment she still looks like the best bet as England's next long-term wicketkeeper. So we need to you know get her with the gloves on in, in as many games as possible. You know, is she a great keeper yet? No, but the only way she's going to get better is by playing these games. Absolutely. So that's great news for her, and also great news for the Superchargers that um, they've been able to bring in but will bring back Jamima. Yeah. Um, you know, who's obviously been a fantastic player in domestic cricket. She's always you know shone in domestic cricket in this country. Um, she's she's. Um, played several times for the kind of Yorkshire franchises back into the Super League days, mm -hmm. um, and so it's going to be fantastic to see her back. And technically, she's replaced Heather Graham. Yeah. Um, and you know, no disrespect, to Heather Graham, but you know, that's not a replacement. That that's an upgrade. That's a free up. I tweeted this. So that's a free upgrade <laughs> to business class on a long haul flight. Yeah, it's a bit weird because of the um, the way that the draft was done this year. Um, yeah, they, she didn't they, get picked in yeah. that top kind of thing, but. Because she sort of had to set her own set her own minimum salary banding, didn't she? And it was very very odd and quite unfortunate, and a and a bit of an example of our, our kind of belief that the draft didn't massively work very well. Yeah, I think people will learn lessons about these drafts, yeah. and I think that some players, you know, it's, it's the same as the Danny Wyatt thing, right? And Danny Wyatt ended up with a similar problem where she yeah. possibly priced herself too highly for the WPL draft. So, but I think players will learn those lessons. Anyway, it's fantastic to see her back, and we're and, uh, looking forward to. Just one thing on the Northern Superchargers: I've decided I'm supporting them this year. Do you want to know why? Why? Well, because um, most crisps I can't eat um, because of uh, digestive issues that I won't go into. But pop chips. I've recently discovered I can eat an entire bag of pop chips. Don't ask me how I discovered this. It was just it was a scientific experiment, Sid. 
I can eat an entire bag of pop chips and, and not, not, get, get, and not get ill, so it's great. So, pop chips are my crisps, so that means that Northern Superchargers have to be my team. Also, if any of the um, the crisp people want to pay us for having really massively given well, some, free some brand exposure there. Oh yeah, free pop chips. Yeah. I'm, always, <laughs> I'm always up for that, yeah. Or, or a postal order. <laughs> um, there, there is actually a more serious point um, that we need to finish on about our coverage of the 100 and where it's going to be because unfortunately um, Twitter, are we even allowed to call it that anymore, Sid? Um, the, the Twitter uh, sort of morphing into X has made a decision for us that we've been thinking about for a while and we're going to migrate, aren't we? Uh, yeah, well, our coverage of the 100, we're going to move on to threads and Instagram. And uh, what is our Instagram handle, Raf? Um, unfortunately, Cricket Her was taken, so we are Cricket Her 1. So Cricket Her 1, so can people follow us on Yeah, as you on Instagram and threads. Okay. Um, it's basically the same account on Instagram and threads. <laughs> Give me 48 hours to get to grips with how this thing actually works, <laughs> and I now feel very old indeed. Um, but yeah, follow us on Cricket Her 1. Um, obviously, we will still be monitoring Twitter um, and we're going to be posting this video to Twitter. We're not totally abandoning Twitter, but we feel that now is the time to try and migrate some of our stuff and some of our followers, hopefully, over onto Threads. So we'll be posting the charts and our thoughts on the 100 um, over on Threads on Instagram. So look out for us on those channels and you know, follow us if you can. Great. Well, thank you, everybody, for watching slash listening. We hope you enjoy the start of the 100 and we will see you in a week's time. Bye. Bye.